Bell's Persia by Jerry Payton. Phonograph Cylinder 4, Bride and Prejudice. One drawback of life in the East was the lack of social intercourse with ladies. Almost total segregation meant that engaging encounters with the opposite sex were rare, leaving a man feeling dull inside. By jiggers my balls ached. Even at boarding school we had attention from matron. The rules were so very different in Persia, though. To what do I owe this honour, Colonel? I have a problem with the cable. Well, I am a doctor. Drop your britches and I'll take a look. No, the telegraph wires are still down. Roger swears it wasn't him, so it must be Persian nationalists. Is that likely? Some locals resent our presence. Though heaven knows why. Anyone would think we'd been at war with them. We were, about ten years ago. Really? I lose track of these things. No matter. One of the perpetrators has been apprehended. As a deterrent, the Khan has had him nailed by the ear to a telegraph pole. How fitting. How was this man captured? He was overheard bragging about his deeds. Walls have ears, as do telegraph poles, it seems. No matter, we now have the support of the law. By making an example of this rogue, the authorities have nailed their colours to the mast. Alongside his ear, no doubt. Well, let's hope he can still hear with it when I interrogate him. Last thing I need is for him to be as deaf as the post he's nailed to. In the meantime, you ought to organise some entertainment, a show of appreciation for the Khan's support. Me? What sort of entertainment? He likes dancers. What type? The type you wouldn't want your mother to see. I don't quite follow. Throughout the Oriental world, one finds tribes of itinerant young women who dance for the pleasure of men. Like a ballet troupe. More free-spirited and alluring than that. Maypole dancers? The Algerians have the infamous Ouled Nail, the Egyptians the mysterious Gawati, and the Persians essential Susmani. They all have subtle differences in their manner of dress and styles of dancing, but the basics remain the same. Which are? They all get their kit off to music. Now do you understand? It all has to be kept very quiet, of course. The Khan would never live it down if he was seen cavorting with dancing girls. It would result in a blot upon his escutcheon? More than a blot. Probably a burning sensation down there as well. Anyway, we need somewhere discreet for our soiree. Somewhere close to home, huh? Surely you're not suggesting I hold it here? Reverend Sprog built this mission with his own hands. It was once looked upon by God. So was Sodom and Gomorrah. I've heard the stories about the late Reverend. So have I, and I don't believe a word. He was a man of the cloth. He had regular need of a handkerchief, if that's what you mean. And not for blowing his nose. Look, this place is out of sight of the imams. We're better to hold an all-night, morally indefensible orgy of drink and dance. Oh, well, when you put it like that. So how do I go about this? You'll be fine. Just put your best foot forward. I thought that was the job of the dancers. After Colonel Grant's visit, I took counsel from Habib. Much like accepting an offer to search the Colonel's pocket for chocolate fancies, this was never a wise thing. How come watching dancing girls is permissible? In public it's fairly harmless, because there's no chance of any footy business. But how can one justify semi-dressed performers cavorting in the streets? 
Yeah, I've heard a lot about your Morris dancers. Shocking. But then Europeans are an odd bunch. I mean, it's a public dance. How come a stranger can place his hands around a woman's waist and nobody says anything? A gentleman uses his hands to guide his partner around the dance floor. He's merely keeping a firm hand on the tiller. Is that what you call it? The understanding is that nothing untoward will happen. Dancing is just a pastime. All totally innocent. Touche, Dr. Bell. There's nothing untoward about watching a dancing girl at the local bazaar or in a coffee house. So there's no leering. I've yet to see any dancing girl leer as a member of the audience. Harmless fun, always. Though it's definitely not the done thing to invite a girl back to your private quarters. Unless it's after dark, of course. And then it's acceptable. No, just easier to go unnoticed. So how can I possibly host a night of dancing girls when it's taboo to invite them to my house? Make sure nobody sees, then live with the guilt. Everyone else does round here. And you can organise some dancers for this evening? Yeah, but it's just short notice we're going to have to compromise over the music. Don't worry though, our finest musician will perform. Oh, not Amjad. He's a promising fiddle player. Then make him promise not to play. The death rattle of a cat is more tuneful than his wretched scraping. I'm doomed. The Khan isn't interested in the music. Just leave things with me. I know what men like in these parts, and I know what parts these men like. True to his word, Habib arranged our evening of entertainment. As well as the Colonel and our guest of honour, the Khan, my good friend Captain Roger attended. He never missed a trick. Any chance to ogle some scat? Have you been to one of these dances before, Roger? Oh, many times. I've seen at least a score. What are they like? To an upright man, unaccustomed to such things, they can be shocking. Like the Shabars at boarding school. Displays of sheer vulgarity. Always immodest. And at times downright obscene. Definitely like the Shabars at boarding school. Though of course I have no interest in such monotonous dances. So monotonous you've witnessed around twenty. It's one of the few ways for a chap to enjoy female company here. The girls often stay for a smoke, a chat and a cup of tea. A bit like my great aunt Betty. These girls will be wearing a lot less clothing. You never met great aunt Betty. But if these dancers are so immodest, why are they tolerated? They entertain guests at weddings and so forth by dancing. No practical woodwork demonstrations. Of course by dancing. Though they're more reserved on such occasions, as is their attire. They wear a girdle and shawl. No, they simply button their chemises. Anyway, dancers are excused as a necessary evil, which enables hypocrites like the Khan over there to enjoy their company in a more intimate setting. Like here. Even more intimate than here. The veranda. How shall I put this? If a chap likes a girl and she sees that he's wealthy, then it's not uncommon for the pair to play around. A round of cards? No, she becomes his mistress. Oh, do such women fall head over heels for their paramours? The dancers, not acrobats. No, I mean, do such couples fall in love with one another? Only they're idiots. A man would have to be mad to marry a dancing girl. His reputation would be left in tatters. Angels rush in fear where only fools tread, uh, as they say. Uh, I'm not sure they do say that, Roger. Well, the sentiment is probably the same. Run a mile. If you don't, you end up shunned. 
or the nursing a daughter doodle pox. Roger, go over there and entertain the Khan, would you? I'm afraid I'm not much of a dancer, Colonel. No, you buffoon. Talk to him. You speak the language. My Farsi is practically non-existent. Sign language, occasional nods and stupid grins only get you so far in life. Oh, I don't know. I can think of a few commanding officers who've done just fine. <laughs> a pleasant company accepted, of course. I'll, um, just attend to the Khan. So, Colonel, did you glean anything from the insurgent? No, I washed my hands afterwards. Nevertheless, a shadowy figure is behind this latest spate of sabotage. And his identity is known? Yes, he's called Mr. A Shadowy Figure. Of course I don't know his identity. He'd be under arrest if I did. We're closing in on him, though. But there's many a slip twixt the cup and the lip. Are you drunk? Ah, uh, I just meant that he might evade capture. Not with the intelligence we're gathering. Really? I thought Roger was in charge. No, he has other fish to fry. No wonder he's so oily. We've been making inquiries. Apparently, the person who arranged for our telegraph wires to be cut also burnt down the lumber yard in Hamadan. Surely that's idle speculation. No, on both occasions the instigator paid an erotic prince. This chap has the locals in the palm of his hand. He trombones them for money. Rumour has it that he's European. A Russian spy, no doubt. The Crimean War was years ago, Colonel. Why would the Russians interfere in our business now? Sour grapes. Speaking of which, this wine is atrocious. Gentlemen, the dancers have arrived. My grief. They're a mother and daughter pair. A hot pole and Aunt Sybil. Cheeky, sad. You speak English? Blimey, you're sharp, aren't you? Madam, it is common knowledge that dancers are itinerant. My surprise is merely that you were in any place long enough to learn our language. Our language? Please excuse my colleague. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, your name is? Doris. Doris. It's my stage name. It sounds very alluring to Persian men. Who taught you English, Doris? My parents, of course. Your mother and father spoke English. We're not that uncivilised in Dudley. Dudley? As in Dudley, England? Where else? I mean, how many Persians sound like this? Um, all of them? You don't look English. And you don't look as thick as mustard, but clearly you are. It's an illusion. A bit of paint to darken the face. Henna to dye the hair. Some coal around the eyes. Voila! You're a Persian dancer. So what on earth are you doing here, Doris? We were booked to dance. No, I mean in Persia. Been here since I was a girl. I was the Reverend's housekeeper. You cleaned his interior? Well, he kept him regular. And this charming young lady is your, um... My daughter. Say hello to the nice gentleman, Elsie. And what of Elsie's father? Let's just say Arthur. That's the Reverend Sprog to you. Well, him and me were close friends. You played bridge. That was one of our favourite positions, yes. And you lived together in this house? Yeah, but it doesn't feel much like the old home. All the restraints have been taken off the walls and the rack has gone. I see. So how have you ended up dancing for a living? There aren't many options for penniless women in Persia. It was either this or the game. Sounds like you made the right decision. I never made any money playing cards. I'm sure we could assist in some way with your passage. I've heard that line before. Your passage back to England. Oh no, we don't want that. We're making a mint here. And speaking of money, you've paid for this, mate. So we might as well get down to it. We'll just put our clogs on. Clogs? 
We're not familiar with all those Persian steps. I learned clock dancing when I was a nipper, though. The locals love it. We're quite an attraction, aren't we, Elsie? I'm so sorry, Colonel. I really had no idea. The regimental outhouse has more appeal than her. That's unkind, Colonel. Doris is a perfectly handsome woman. But the Khan likes pretty young girls, not handsome matrons. Though she does appear to have magnificent heavers. I'm sure the Khan is more interested in the art of the dance than in the physical attributes of the performers. Don't be naive. All he's interested in is flesh. And he's not exactly getting his money's worth with the daughter, is he? I've seen wider cricket stumps. So are we dancing? Let me help you find your spot. I've heard that line and all. Just be so kind as to take our shawls. Habib, take their robes. Certainly, Dr. Bell. By gosh, you're hardly wearing anything. Although we don't do all that belly dancing malarkey, we like to look the part, don't we, Elsie? It's awful for cool, you know. Um, Amjad. Perhaps a little music to begin the proceedings. Tell me, Habib, why is Amjad's back to the audience? Does facing the wall aid his fiddling? That's in the holes in his pockets. Basically, he's protecting the lady's modesty and avoiding temptation. Whatever do you mean? I see. Bye, Jingo. The Khan approves. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah, but bravo. Yes, very good. Alas, the clog dancing was somewhat repetitive. Much like a newlywed on his honeymoon, my head throbbed long after the performance ended. Nevertheless, the Khan enjoyed himself. Though his critical faculties were impaired, due to the copious amounts of wine imbibed. It also helped that he was hard of hearing, and partially sighted. Unfortunately, the dancing, and the wine for that matter, had an undesirable effect on one member of our party. That dance was an abomination. I've seen Saxa drowning kittens with more grace. That's it. I've held my tongue long enough. Yes, the beef tongue was an unusual starter. Just scrape it into the flower pot when Hibib's not looking. Take that back, Colonel. What? You're constant sniping. No more. What's got into you, man? Not the beef tongue, I'll wager. Certainly an acquired taste. You've insulted Elsie. My future bride and potential mother of my children. Oh, here we go. Your mole struck, Roger. It always happens when you're cooped up for weeks on end. You go all moony-eyed over the first doxy you clap eyes on. She is no doxy. I have to agree, Colonel. Hussy, perhaps, but no doxy. Heed my advice. Stay well clear of her, Roger. She's a fallen woman. That wasn't her fault. Her claw came loose. Now I've held my tongue long enough. That is a pity. I'm not sure the flowerpot can take any more. I'm ordering you back to Hamadan. We'll talk about this tomorrow. You can't stop me from seeing her. If he drinks any more of this wine, he won't be able to. I'm half blind myself. I'll follow Elsie to the ends of the earth, and you'll drive me to the end of my tether. Go to bed. 
I knew I shouldn't have opened that last bottle. Much like a priest who had polished his candle in the confessional, Roger had behaved inappropriately for a man of his rank. Nevertheless, the following morning I wrote to Hamadan to warn him about the colonel's intelligence. An oxymoron if ever I heard one. What on earth are you playing at, Roger? First you burn down the lumpyard, causing a massive timber shortage, then you temporarily bring down the telegraph network. Nobody came to any harm, and the townsfolk loved the fire. According to all reports, they were running around in sheer terror. That's just the way they expressed themselves. Local colour. Some of them expressed local colour into their undergarments, they were so scared. All checks and balances. I'm sure the laundry workers were grateful for the extra business. Look, I'm only obeying orders. Obeying orders? You were told to grease the palms of local bigwigs. Hence the erotic sketches I gave them. The colonel said grease palms, not make them sweat. So far, you've given money to an arsonist and a group of insurgents. They're not exactly local dignitaries, are they? Everyone pays bribes in Persia. The money will find its way to the right people in the end. And what if you're caught? The colonel's no idiot. We are talking about our colonel, aren't we? He's flushed a weasel or two in his time. He should eat more figs. The colonel's looking for a European in connection with both incidents. That's all right, then. I'm British. Look, it's only a matter of time before someone points a finger at you. None of my contacts know my true identity. I simply told them I was you. You did what? Don't worry. The colonel would never believe that you were capable of organising insurrection. Or anything else for that matter. Not after last night. Speaking of last night, I hope you've come to your senses over that dancing girl. Actually, I've asked Habib to arrange a meeting with Elsie tonight. I'm going to woo her. I'll be like an eagle, swooping down upon a chick. You'll certainly ruffle feathers. The colonel's mostly. Forget about her, Roger. You said yourself, it's the ruin of a man if he gets involved with such a girl. But she's not like other dancers. No, she can't dance. Look, it'll be fine, trust me. They don't call me Lucky Roger for nothing. They don't call you Lucky Roger at all. Really? What do they call me? Where do I start? You two, in my office, now. Yes, yes Colonel. Colonel. Remain standing. My intelligence gathering has finally paid off. I must confess, I never thought that a saboteur would be operating right under my nose. Guards, please, sir, let me silence. Doris? Elsie? What on earth is going on, Colonel? Our mysterious mastermind is about to be unveiled. Behold, our saboteur. Elsie. What? I'm afraid, Doris, that your daughter has been identified as the ringleader behind recent destruction of government property. Oh, come on. We've all had a piddle behind a telegraph pole. Furthermore, Elsie was responsible for the arson attack on the timberyard in Hamadan. Don't be silly. The closest she's ever got to playing with fire was when she took my best earrings without permission. Ask the girl yourself. Well, Elsie? I don't believe what I'm hearing. But why? You stupid girl. You've ruined everything. What's to become of us, Colonel? As far as the arson attack goes, the Persians won't want to cause a diplomatic incident. You're still British citizens. And loyal to our king. Um, Queen Victoria is on the throne these days. Blimey, has it been that long? You'll both be deported, of course. And once back in England, I can't guarantee Elsie won't face charges. 
Have you anything to say in your defence, Elsie? I'm afraid that won't alter my decision. Guards, take them away. Please, Colonel, let me ex- Silence. I did recall giving you permission to speak, Roger. And to think you nearly threw it all away over that treacherous wretch. Look on the bright side, Roger. Treacherous wretch is a step up from Doxy. Get out of my sight. Yes, yes Colonel. Colonel. Not you, Bell. I suppose you think that I've made a huge mistake. Got the wrong person. Hmm? Well, I'm not an idiot, Bell. As you well know, that girl is totally innocent. I wouldn't say totally innocent. Not in those garments. Oh, she may be all smooth talk and outward charm. But she's no criminal mastermind. So if you know she's not responsible, what was that display all about? A piece of theatre for the benefit of Roger. I'm not sure he's the theatre-going type. Doris and Elsie were in on the rules. Roger now thinks he'll never see his sweetheart again. No more distractions. So he can resume work with his reputation unblemished. His reputation is unblemished? It's all relative. Crikey, who's the comparison? So what will become of Doris and Elsie? They've received a large sum of money to leave the area. They'd need to anyway after last night's performance. So I take it you know who the real perpetrator is? Indeed. During the course of our investigations, one name, and only one name, kept cropping up. I can assure you that no malice was ever intended. I believe you. Just be a good chap and keep your nose clean from now on, Belle. He was only... What? No, no, Colonel. I'm not. I totally understand, Belle. A junior man like you. No knowledge of local customs. Poor grasp at the language. But, sir... Next thing you know, you've accidentally set off a chain of events beyond your control. Really? I... Ordinarily, I'd haul you over the coals for this. But I have to look at the bigger picture. Make allowances for a valued member of the department. Sir, you've got the wrong... Just to be on the safe side, though, I'll be asking Roger to keep a closer eye on you. What? We don't want you going further astray. Astray? No, wait. And needless to say, you're now indebted to me for a very long time. In short, whatever I say goes. Colonel, please. You, you have to understand. Enough. I don't want to hear your pleading, Bell. You have no idea how much grief you've caused me these past few days. And there's still the matter of my cable. I'm sure the engineers will get things back up and running shortly, Colonel. Not that cable. This one. Meet the thin white duke. You and he are about to become firm friends. Oh, lorks. Bell's Persia was produced and performed by me, Jerry Payton. If you need to contact me, email bellspersia at gmail.com. Or one word, just leave out the apostrophe. And you can follow me on Twitter at bell underscore Persia.